0: ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Elmore team, left side three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan.
1: Welcome in, it's the Thursday edition. It's April 26th, it's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host Paul Swan. Weren't with you yesterday. Baseball the last couple of days have been all over the place. Uh, The Pirates getting a win today, walk off home run to win it in the bottom of the ninth. We have that for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So back today, glad to be here. We've got a lot to get into. We're getting closer to the green white game on Saturday. So a lot of herd fans are excited about that. There, maybe their real first opportunity to check out this thundering herd team as spring practice is going to wrap up. And of course, we got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk about Marshall Golf a little bit later on with Matt Grove, head coach of the Marshall Golf team. We'll get his thoughts and recaps of how the team did. Also, we're going to hear from Rick Marone. Now there's a proposal out that would alter how. The private schools function in regards to the public schools because of a competitive disadvantage or at least a perceived competitive disadvantage that a lot of the smaller schools have in comparison to the private schools. Now, the the gist of it is that if you're a private school, you can go out and you can go and find kids. You can get kids to come in. I don't want to say pure recruiting here, but it's— it's, it's recruiting. It's what it is. Kids can go to private school, and you get a collection of a lot of kids who decide to go to private school that they're pretty good athletically. Well, there you go. And also, the private schools can control their enrollment. Public schools can't. You have who you have. That's it. And for a lot of schools, they don't have that many. If you're a school like Huntington. For the most part, you're going to be AAA. You're going to be one of the biggest schools in the state of West Virginia. Your school, like, say, a Tulsa, uh, not so much. You're going to be a smaller school unless you have a population surge. And again, private schools don't have that issue. So Rick's Later on about that, we're going to get his thoughts, and then we'll take your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. See where you fall on that. Also, we'll get your text. You can do so at 304-399-8255. That's 304-399-8255. So if you've got any text questions for Coach Grobe or later on for Rick Marone, We'll hear that, and we'll do that later on in the program. So uh, glad you're with us here. I said, missed you guys yesterday. uh, We had baseball doubleheader, an actual true doubleheader. Haven't had one of those in a long time. But the the Pirates getting two out of three, getting the win earlier. Same time the Reds were taking on the Braves. Reds again, losers. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, if you know this stat, but uh, I believe – the Reds are the fastest team to 20 losses? Did I hear that correctly? It is tough being a um it's tough being a Reds fan right now. It definitely is, but uh, we've got some action going on right now, a lot of baseball action tonight. And of course, uh we're getting uh set ramping back up for the draft. We'll have that for you tonight, by the way. So if you can't watch the draft, you've got a place for it tonight here, the uh, first round for sure, here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Also on our sister station, Cat Sports 93.3 and 13.40. As we await, see where our favorite team falls as far as fortune's concerned. Cross your fingers if you're a Bengals fan, get somebody good. If you're a Browns fan, you've already... Resigned yourself. The next year's draft, probably. There's so many storylines here. Who do the Browns take? Whose life will the Browns ruin? That's pretty much what it is. It's not hey, congratulations, your Cleveland Brown. It's congratulations, your life is ruined now. You have been drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Your career is over. Imagine. You work all your life, you're a young man, you're, you're a kid, you want to go play in the NFL, and you do everything you possibly can to achieve that dream. You work hard, you study hard to keep your grades up so you can stay eligible, you go through all of the little football, the pee wee league, everything, junior high, high school, college, you go through all of that, and... You're one of the best players in the country coming out. You've had a great college career. You're a a top prospect for the National Football League. Everybody's excited about you. And then you look at the draft board and you think, oh my God, I could be a Cleveland Brown. I could be going to where football careers die. I could be going to that team. Not a good team that could get a lot better with you. Or if you're fortunate, you might fall to a team that's a contender and instantly you're on a team that might be going to the playoffs next year, going to the Super Bowl, things could be good for you. You might land on a team where, hey, there's some great talent here and I can develop here and get even better. No, you land up as a Cleveland Brown and you've got to perform right away because you're you're the savior of the franchise. It's not you're coming into a situation where you're going to have a a long, prosperous career. You're coming into a situation where you hope you can survive. Survive being a Cleveland Brown. Wait till free agency so you can get the heck out of there. Do a good enough job where you have some, some numbers. You have some performance. You can show, hey, I did a pretty good job here despite all of this. That's my draft day experience, if I'm sitting there looking at the draft board thinking, please don't pick me Cleveland, please don't pick me Cleveland. Now, of course, you're not going to hear that from any of the uh, any of the players that are drafted today. They're going to be excited to get to go to the league, and they're going to enjoy the night as they should. It's a big deal. But at the same time, Cleveland's just ruined so many careers. Somebody else should pick for them. I'm not even a Cleveland fan, and I'll pick. I'll try to do a good job picking for them. I'll do a decent job for them. I, at least I wouldn't try to hose them. I would actually try to pick somebody that fit what they needed. And that's just a terrible organization. Can you tell? I'm not the, really a high on the Browns bandwagon. And of course, once the uh, first few picks come in and all the dominoes start to topple, we'll see where this thing goes. It's drama every year. It is definitely a fun, exciting, Spectacle if you are into the National Football League. It's it's sort of a, it's not Christmas, but it is in a way. It's more like maybe Easter. This might be football Easter. Maybe that's the way to describe it. It's football Easter. When we come back, we're going to talk golf. We've got Matt Grobe joining us on the program and he's going to tell us uh, about Marshall Golf later on. Rick Marone's going to tell us about a proposal coming up that the, they're trying to push to maybe level the playing field as far as uh, athletes are concerned in the state of West Virginia between the private schools and the public schools. That's all still to come. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This is a Drive on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930.
0: Now back to the drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition. It's the drive on ESPN
1: 94.1 FM and AM930. I want to remind you if you miss any part of today's show, you can always catch us. All you have to do is go back to the website, wrbc.com. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcast Stitcher Radio. Or wherever you get your podcast, And if you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a review. We always appreciate all your kind words. Let's talk Marshall Golf now. We want to welcome to the program the head coach of the Marshall Golf team, Matt Grobe, who uh, joins us now. And, Coach, um, tough outing. I think that's fair to say. Uh, not exactly where you wanted this team to end uh, in the Conference USA Championships. But still, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you can be happy about.
2: Well, you know, I was I was really disappointed, and, and, and the guys were disappointed. You know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when I was talking with you. We just didn't have a whole lot of experience, um, and we really, really needed that Greenbrier tournament, I think, to try to help those guys get a little bit more experience. You know, it gets snowed out, and so really we hadn't played since Furman, so it had been about a month. Uh, we get down there, and all year we've relied on Alex has played great golf, and the rest of us have been able to try to get a couple of scores in. And, and this week, Alex played just kind of okay for him, um, and the rest of the guys just weren't ready for that. It was uh, the golf course was uh, was really really tough, and I just didn't feel like the guys. Um, almost maybe got intimidated we might have played a little too safe i think that uh you know when when things start going bad the next thing you know you're trying to guide your swing and you're trying to play for pars instead of birdies and then you're trying not to make bogeys and the next thing you know you're trying to stay away from double bogeys and it just seemed like we became a very safe team as the week went on and uh, so I, i think we grew up a lot and uh and i think the guys all realized going into summer that we got a lot of work to do and they got some things they got to go back and and work with their instructors and get back home and, and shore up their games a little bit.
1: How difficult is it to to take all of those lessons that you get from this tournament and translate that into success next year? Because these guys are not necessarily all going to go to – they're not going to be in the same place. They're not going to be with you, so obviously you've got to depend on their instructor, instructors, as you just mentioned. But just how difficult is that to, okay – I'm going to hope these guys take it to heart and go out and do the things that they need to do, and you're not there.
2: Well, the best thing is we got great kids. That's number one. I'm not worried about the work ethic. I'm not worried about the character. Um, but you know, the, the, the thing you brought up is every kid kind of has something different. Um, so I'm going to have meetings with them uh, at the beginning of next week. I took notes as the tournament went on. Uh, I took. No, I've been taking notes for two days, racking my brain to see what we can do to get better. Um, and you know for some kids it was putting for others it was you know a little bit of their wedge game Uh, we had some guys that had some struggles off the tee and the problem is once you have that one glaring weakness it gets really tough because then it starts to filter into every part of your game Uh, now if if you're not hitting your irons close enough uh, because you're not putting well now you start putting pressure on your irons Um, and now they start missing greens now you're putting pressure back on the driver so it just felt like it was a perfect storm for some of our guys. that just couldn't get comfortable, uh, didn't didn't understand. These greens were as hard and firm and fast as we've played, and, and they, they really needed to, to, to kind of play it to the right side of the hole sometimes. And, you know, like I said, sometimes you play safe, but you got to be aggressive when you're playing safe. So I think each kid's got their own things that they need to improve on before next season comes back. Um, and I think that, you know, going through that, like I said, some kids got to work on getting a little bit more distance. Some got to work on some short game type stuff. And I've got really good relationships with, with, uh, with all of our kids' instructors. So I've already been texting back and forth with some of their instructors kind of saying, this is what I saw this year. This is what we kind of need to fix this summer. And then they'll work with them on it That's that, this next summer. And then they'll all come back and we'll, and we'll, we'll have a much better fall.
1: So it's pretty nice. You have multiple assistant coaches in a, in a way with the, with a lot of these kids.
2: That that's exactly what it is, you know. And, and the best part about it is these swing instructors have been with these kids a lot of them since they started golf. So they know the key So when I you know when I when I tell one one coach what I've or one instructor what I'm seeing, he immediately kind of says, "Yeah, that's something we've been fighting, and, and I'll work on it this summer with you know." Or you know what? I think we need to get him with. Uh, you know, get him working out a little bit more in the weight room or, you know what, I've got some drills that I'm really going to work with him when we get back. So, you know, these guys have just as much of an interest. They want these guys to make it on the PGA Tour. So as instructors, they're kind of judged on how many players go to the next level. So they, you know, they, they've placed them into college. Now they want to help them get to the next level. They're going to watch them over these next four months while I can't and, uh, and, and make sure that they, they, they send them back to, to campus. Uh, better golfers than they were when they when they get there this
1: summer. Marshall Golf Coach Matt Grobe joining us on the program. And when you have these kids, I know scheduling is still difficult. Are there things that you're going to work with your staff, with the university, or just things that you're going to do maybe a little differently um, in the off season to try to, to make everything better once you get it back with these kids?
2: Yeah, you know we've got we've got. Uh... You know, luckily for us, our schedules work pretty well for us. Um, You know, we've got uh, most of our kids are business majors. So as far as being able to get them out on the golf course in the afternoons by one, I know, uh, you know, a lot of majors, it's tough because they've got labs and stuff in the afternoon. But I was just looking over our schedule for next semester. Uh, today and, and everything looks really good. I think we're going to be able to have some really good practice sessions and uh, you know, our strength and conditioning program has been really good for our guys and you know the, the one thing we really need a lot of is experience. and so the good news is almost all these kids you know we took three kids down to conference that had never seen the golf course before. and the other kid we took down there uh, had only seen it one time. So you know now they've all seen it they know what they've got to prepare for um and, and i feel good about the schedule for next ball we've got some really good tournaments we're playing some tough golf courses and i think on my perspective i've got to get us a little bit more southern um uh when we come into the spring you know we, we play a lot of events kind of up in our own area uh but I, I think that the grasses are pretty tight down there uh you know the greens were pretty firm and, and it's a different type of grass down there in texarkana so Hopefully we can get some tournaments down around Tennessee and those areas, maybe Arkansas, uh, just to kind of get our guys used to it as we're heading up to conference next year.
1: Matt Grobe is our guest, Marshall Tennis, getting set for the offseason now. Uh, It's not necessarily over for Marshall Golf just yet. As far as the team's concerned, um, you've got to retool and get everything ready for next season, but uh now you're waiting to see if at least uh you're gonna have a participant in the NCAA Division One Men's Golf Championship. And you'll find that out uh I believe what, May second?
2: May second at five thirty. And, and and I'm
3: you know, you, you hate
2: to say that you're almost pretty much sure, but I went through today and looked through all the basically what they do is they take the top teams and they get them set into regionals and they take the top individuals that are left over. Uh and just take it you know, they take forty five individuals and Right now, I've got Alex on, uh, when I look through the rankings, I've got him somewhere in the mid-20s, mid to late-20s. So I, I think it's uh, it's not really necessarily a question. If he gets in it, I think it's really more a question of where we're going to end up going. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of sites we could possibly go to. Columbus, Ohio, which would be great for him. It's his
3: hometown.
2: Uh, you know, it's a Scarlet course where he's played uh, a lot of golf, played his high school state championships. That's where I went and recruited him originally when he was a high school kid. Uh, and then I think uh, Raleigh, uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina is another option because it's pretty close. They typically take the individuals and keep them pretty close to home. So I know for Alex's family and friends, and you know his high school coach and instructors and all those guys, they would love to see him uh, be able to stay close, you know, come close to home for the for the first final you know run at uh, run at uh, the NCAA's.
1: And it's important as well just to, to at least have somebody in the NCAA. I know you want to get your team there, but at least to have an individual still keeps Marshall out there and people can see, okay, hey, if I go to Marshall, I've got an opportunity here. So I'm sure that's really important, not just for him, for you as well.
2: Absolutely. you know, really even more for the program and and on top of everything, Alex Weiss has shown up um, and he has tried to become better every day. Um, and And I've never had a kid since since I've been here that has woke up in the morning and tried to be better than he was the day before, like Alex has. Um, And and what I hope is two things. Number one, I hope he gets rewarded. I hope he gets to go to a regional. I'd love for him to go to a regional next to Columbus. But the other thing is for for the young guys on our team, for the freshmen and sophomores that we're playing with right now, they've been able to watch this now for at least a year, if not two, for some of these guys. And they should know now, what it takes, what what Alex has had to do, because Alex had the same kind of freshman and sophomore years that, that they just all had, and what happened is he just kept working hard, kept working hard, and now he's going to get rewarded by going to the NCAA championships. And so what we got to do is we got to get these kids to understand that, that that's what you got to do. You got you got to work your tail off every day, and you got to be, be a better person today than you were yesterday. And if we can keep doing that. I think we'll have a lot of success. The good thing about a young team is we should gather a little bit of experience as the time goes on. You know, it, the worst part about it is I feel like we really wasted one of our best years ever from a kid and Alex Wines because we just didn't help him very much all year long. But, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully we get into a regional and he gets to keep playing more golf.
1: Matt Grobe is our guest, Marshall golf coach. <coughs> Excuse me, Coach. As... Um... As you prepare for the individual season, recruiting, of course, is uh, still the lifeblood of this program. So what is that process like for you, for those maybe who uh, don't follow it as closely as they should, as far as what's next for you? I know football after spring, they got to start focusing on recruiting again for you. Uh, I'm sure it's almost a, a year-round job as well.
2: It really is. You know, we're. I'm really fortunate, to be honest with you, you know, You've got some other high school sports where they really kind of only play in feet. Uh, you know, you, you, you look at what what Doc and those coaches have to do. You know, these kids are all playing, you know, basically, you know, 10 games a year in high school. And that's kind of it. Everything else is in, you know, shorts and T-shirts and that type of stuff. But for, for high school golfers, summer's when they do all their work. That's when they play almost all their tournaments. Uh, high school golf is still, a, is still a big deal. But, to you know, college coaches have their own seasons going on. So starting in about June, they usually give the kids through May to finish up school and finals and all that. But starting in June, it'll just be nothing but junior events all summer long, June, July, and August, uh, trying to find some guys that can help us. Uh, We signed a really good kid, Kyle Mitchell, uh, out of Columbus, Ohio, that uh, that's going to be coming in. With only having Alex, we only had one spot, so found a really really good player in Columbus that I think is going to come and help us immediately. Um, And so having him come in is going to be nice, but. We got to start looking. You know, Thomas will be a senior next year, and then the following year we got, you know, uh, three or four kids that are going to graduate. So now I'm starting to look a little bit further out. You know, trying to trying to get a feel for a kid that's that's going to graduate next next spring, and then I need to kind of find a couple more that are going to graduate the following spring, and see if we just can't keep growing. I love our talent base right now. It definitely has to play better, but I got to keep supporting it with players on the back end.
1: Are you finding that uh, it's easier to recruit as far as the talent you need locally? Has that gotten better as uh, as the years have progressed?
2: You know, it has. It has. We've got you know we've we've got some really 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 solid players here locally. Um, Isaac Prime from Parkersburg uh, is going to be joining us uh, uh, next uh, next fall, and so you know that's a, that's a local kid right there. There was there was three or four local kids here that signed with uh, with schools that. Um, here in the here in West Virginia that signed either, either at Division two type schools and we got a couple that did sign with schools out in the state so you know we got a lot of a lot of really really good um, you know talented West Virginia kids and so um, it, it should be the, and the golf should keep getting better and better
1: Matt Grobe our guest Marshall golf coach coach uh, good talking to you again we'll do it soon because I'm sure we've got a lot of uh, golf to get into between now and well. The next time you get this team together.
2: Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you so much.
1: It's Matt Grobe, Marshall's tennis coach. We're going to take our next break, come back. What do you think about private schools versus public schools? Well, we're going to start that discussion when we continue. Rick Marone, our guest, next here on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
3: Don't worry,
0: Paul Swan has the wheel on the drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
1: Welcome back. Paul Swan, your host on this Thursday. Glad you could be with me. Don't forget, we'll take your phone calls later on at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. You can also text the program 304-399-8255, 304-399-8255. We'll fire the text machine up for you and get your thoughts. We're joined now on the program, good friend of the program, and also the girls' basketball coach at Tulsa High School, Rick Marone, with us now. And, uh, Coach, good to talk to you again. It's been a while, and you've been busy these last few days, or at least uh, for a while, haven't you?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I've been real busy. And, uh, Paul, I miss the uh, pregame football shows we used to do together, but uh, I appreciate you having me back on the program.
1: We could do that again, just you and me. (laughs)
3: <laughs> just just cut out the rest of them right i mean i'll
1: invite randy <laughs> payton back on as well and we'll just we'll just go to town
3: <laughs> yeah we used to have a great time a lot of good uh good memories on those uh, friday nights
1: yeah those are fun times uh so um let's um let's get into it here um you've um you've been in basketball a long time so you've you've seen a lot of action in the state of west virginia you you you've been to the tournament, you, you've you been to the playoffs, you, you know how difficult it is to win a state championship, and now you are with a group of people who are trying to put together a proposal to balance the competitive advantage that maybe the private schools have over the public schools. Tell me about this, and why is this uh, more of a balancing than a, I'm going to take my ball and go home move? <laughs>
3: Well, I'll tell you what uh paul it's a it's been an issue it's all around the country. People have just been trying to find a competitive balance, and I know that's what you the term you use there, but basically it's just looking at uh, how schools are classified uh in the state and looking at some factors that uh that really have a lot to do with the number of kids that are in your school and it's about access uh to the number of students and also to things that are barriers two students so it's just kind of even in the playing field I've heard people on both sides uh, to be honest with you Uh, some of the people and I have a lot of respect for a lot of people that coach at uh, some of the non-public schools that do a great job they're great coaches they compete at a high level some of them uh, have have wanted to compete against you know bigger competition but of course they're put in class A so it's been going on for 40 years Uh, there's been uh, proposals before that have been tried or attempted to even the playing field, they have all failed. So, you know, we're definitely not uh, going into this uh, on our own. Ms. Wallace, our Reva Wallace, our head principal, is the one that made the proposal to the Board of Control, but uh, it is on behalf of many of the, the public schools of all classifications that are just trying to have a more even and balanced uh, playing field.
1: Now, you've got two different proposals, Proposal 9 and Proposal 10. Um, if you would, Break down each proposal and um, talk about the merits, you believe, and the way you're going about this with these proposals.
3: Well, to be honest with you, Paul, Proposal 10 is something that's been uh, brought up before and it's never really gotten much traction, and that's just basically a separate classification. Like they do in Virginia and Florida, there are several states that have, have totally separate classes. Uh, that's one that's maybe not as feasible in our state, but it is one proposal been proposed over the years in 2006 and then a couple of times after that, and that's just a separate classification because the schools are are structured differently. But Proposal 9 is the one that's that's interesting because what it does is it looks at classifying schools based on their enrollment area. Uh, Several years ago, the State uh, Board of Education and the WSAC uh, assigned an attendance zone to all the non-public schools and it's the nearest public high school. So their attendance zone is identical to the nearest public high school. So any kid in that attendance zone could attend that non-public school and be considered being in their attendance zone, just like we have here and all across the state. Kids go to the high school that's in their attendance zone unless they get permission to go out of their area. So the proposal that uh, that number nine is, is the classification for the non-public school would be the same as the attendance zone in which they're drawing from it makes the most sense because they have access to more students so all across the state uh, most of the time non-public schools have to be in urban areas because they're trying to get kids to come in order to support the school through tuition and support that way and that's fine i don't have any none of us have any issue with that But it gives them a different structure. So I guess what we're asking is just that schools be looked at in a little bit different way if they're structured differently. And we feel that's the case. And uh, it may or may not, uh, you know, be something that people look at as an option. We're just trying to provide options.
1: Why should this happen? Why do you feel that this needs to be um, something that's seriously looked at and possibly enacted?
3: Well, I think when you look at the, the data and the history of athletics in West Virginia, which we all love and we've covered as broadcasters, coaches, and athletes, you want everyone to have a, a free uh, an opportunity to feel like that the things that matter are hard work, teamwork, talent, and building a program. And I don't think that it should be on any other factors. And you'll have some teams that will have some great runs. But, you know, I've coached teams that have won state championships and the boys' side. I've had teams that won five games, and I felt just as proud of that group as the teams that won the state. I think the unique perspective that we have, you know, we were in Class AA for 20-some years. So we weren't involved in this. So the last couple years, having moved back to Class A, it's made us aware of what the other 45 Class A public schools have been dealing with for a lot longer than us. So I feel what would come of this would be a more competitive balance because if you have access to athletes and their families, if, you're from, if your district's in an urban area, for instance, in a 10- to 15-mile radius, you could have 45 to 50,000 residents that live there. Those kids would all have the opportunity to come to your school if they can meet your criteria. If you live in our district, for instance, we have about 10,000 people, and it's spread out over, uh, we would have to go many miles to encompass that many people. So it's really apples and oranges uh, from the way that we look at it, and there's been a lot of support across the state, uh, not to exclude anybody, to include people, but put them on an equal footing with who they're competing with.
1: Wouldn't it be easier to maybe just put these schools aside, put them in a, a different championship situation. Still let them compete with you. It wouldn't matter because they would be playing for a championship over here whereas your schools would be playing for a championship over here. I mean, the proposal I like is the you've got the public school tournament, you've got the private school tournament, but everybody still plays everybody. Um you know, what's the f- feedback you're getting as far as making one or these other proposals work?
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think anybody's not wanting to compete. And and Paul, I really think that if if people felt like that the uh, the state was looking at a balanced postseason, I think people would it would play more. I mean, I know uh, a lot of schools that I talk with uh, across the state. You know, they want to compete and they want to try and raise the the level of their their athletic teams. But again, uh, if you look at at uh, the, the playing field, you just want it to be equal. And I think that. Uh, Uh, I I don't know because of logistically, if you look at it. I mean, for instance, in football, there's only a few non-publics that play football. So would you really have a class just for a few teams? Uh, I think the integration of them into classification. Now, here's my my thinking. If, if, for instance, here in Glen Hayes, where we're located, if you want to put a private school up here on the hill behind Tulsa High School, you can play in Class A because you're drawing from a Class single-A district. But if you're going to put one in the middle of a big city, I don't think that the non-public itself, if they sit and look at what's best for them, why would you not want to compete against people on equal footing? So our, ours is a very straightforward proposal, uh, is the fact that it's about access. It's about students that have access to come to your schools. And again, if you're in a A AA district, AAA, it's not just a single A, AAA. I mean, if there's double A schools that have non-publics in their districts, then they would compete at that level. And I think it would be better for everybody.
1: What's the pushback been from the, uh, the the opponents of maybe these proposals?
3: Well, I mean, you know, you're fighting 40 years of, <laughs> you know, it's not an easy fight. And, you know, it, the easiest thing for me to do, because I've probably just got a few more years to coach, would be just keep your mouth shut and go ahead because, you know, that's the way it's always been. Well, I tell you what, if I pulled up in front of your studio in a horse and buggy out there and told you that was my new uh, mode of transportation, you'd probably say, Rick, you've lost your mind, you know. Things change, and just because something's been that way doesn't make it right. Uh, I go to church with a fellow that's retired. We golf a lot together, uh, and he told me, he said, right is right even when nobody's doing it, and wrong is wrong when everybody's doing it. So I think that anybody that looks at this situation sees that there needs to be some adjustment. We're providing options. And the people that are pushing back against it, I think, maybe have a different agenda than what sportsmanship and fair play is all about. And I'm not, you know, I'm not out to argue. It's not us against them in any way. It's about trying to give everyone a more competitive balance and an opportunity for all kids to compete in sports and know that they legitimately have an opportunity to achieve their goals. Many won't, but they should at least feel from the get-go that they have the opportunity if they do the right things and maybe catch lightning in a bottle you know they can they can do things and you know the data when you look at it is just not there i mean when you've got sports where you got over 90% of championships over a 34 year, or 30 year period are from non-public schools of which there's only eight out of a group of 54 i mean the statistical chance that that happens just by accident is not there so there's obviously something that's not fair in the system and we're just providing options and it may Follow the way of all the ones have before, and then everybody will forget about it, and a few more years will go by. But we're just trying to give an option.
1: Tulsa girls basketball coach Rick Marone joining us on the program. A couple proposals that are being pushed forward to try to balance out the uh, the public versus private uh, schools as far as competitive balance is concerned. And so you do look at the numbers, and I, I agree with you that schools at the single-A level mostly don't have a chance I mean if they were competing with like-minded schools, and I use that term to describe maybe Marshall and Conference USA, these are like-minded schools. They 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 basically right. are, are similar in structures, similar in function. If you're competing against a school that has the ability to go out – and I'm not saying that they're recruiting, but in a sense private schools are recruiting because they're trying to attract – Students to come to private school, and that I'm sure includes athletics. I mean, they they don't have a recruiting coordinator going out scouring the country here, but if there's a really good kid uh, who plays athletics, I'm sure he's going to be somebody that they might approach or they might talk to and say, Hey, here are your options, just to give that kid some options.
3: Well, I think it's about including more teams. I mean, it's not about cutting anybody out. is not separating anybody. I don't think there's any downside to including more. I mean, when you look at boys' basketball, 17 of the last 20 years have been non-public school winners. Girls' basketball, 28 out of 31 years. Football, 11 out of 20 years, and there's only four that play football. I mean, it goes on and on, but again, the recruiting and all that is not what this is about. That's addressed through rules that are already in place. Uh, This is all about trying to even the playing field for all schools, and not just a select few. And I think if you look at the big picture and what's best for athletics in West Virginia, which is what the, uh, the VSAC is charged with, then I would think that uh, them and the general public would look at it as, as a positive thing.
1: Have you talked to some of the bigger schools, uh, their coaches, their administrations, how they feel about uh, having these um, private schools uh, all of a sudden jump up and maybe uh, go head-to-head with them?
3: Well, I have, uh, not just in our area, but other parts of the state. And, and what I've told them, and uh, uh, whether they're AA, AAA, or whatever, I said, you know, if your first gut instinct when you hear a proposal like this is, oh, no, I don't want them in my class because we can't compete, well, you know there's a problem. And I said, if that's the case, then you really need to take a hard look at it. But the other side is, is I think you never know. I mean, it may encourage kids, if they're competing at the AAA level, maybe they stay at their home school, maybe they don't but I don't think it will hurt the enrollment at either the private schools or the AAA schools. And with only 29 AAAs, Paul, I mean, you know, the reclassification left them with only 29 schools in AAA. If there was three or four or five schools that were added, to me, that's a plus. It gives them more teams to compete with.
1: Tulsa girls basketball coach Rick Marone joining us on the program. It's Proposal 9 and Proposal 10. So what's next as far as uh, trying to get this through? Um, how far do you think it's going to go? And uh, what are the processes that uh, have to take place to maybe get this far uh, to the point where it maybe is enacted upon?
3: Well, the, uh, the next step is, like I said, our head principal, Ms. Reba Wallace, made a proposal as a, uh, a member of the Board of Control. That's the, uh, the principals across the state. It will be voted on next week at the uh, annual Board of Control meeting at the SAC. Any of the proposals, there's about 20 from all across the state that are on the agenda. Any of those that are voted uh, through at that meeting then have to go to the State Board of Education in July. And then the nine-member State Board of Education will vote up or down. Uh, and then the rule, if it gets through the SAC, it could be voted down at the board, State Board. If it doesn't get through the SAC, then it'll end next week. So. That's the steps it has to go through. Normally there's like a 30-day comment period over the summer, and then in July the State Board of Ed votes on proposals that are made by the SAC. So next week will be the first uh, opportunity for principals across the state to uh, vote up or down on it, and then it will go from there either to the State Board or to the – the place where all the rules that get voted down go.
1: <laughs> now, I'm not sure if um, you've been barnstorming, if you've had straw polls here. How do you feel as far as uh, the chances of this happening?
3: Uh, to be honest, it's really hard to tell. There's a lot of uh, there's a social media presence out there, but you really don't know what that entails. Uh, someone in another part of the state, I think, had started a Facebook uh, group that's really grown. I think there's 1,700 or more people that have uh, joined that, uh, but that could be false numbers but the feedback we've gotten from across the state from all classes for the most part has been positive they appreciate you know someone trying to to look at this and uh so it it's been favorable but paul again when you're going against something that's been in place for 30 to 40 years uh you know as being an old coach that you're never going to think that uh that things are going to go your way. So we'll just do the best we can, and we're just trying to provide opportunity for people to make change if they so choose, and that'll be up to the rest of the members to vote on.
1: Rick Marone, our guest, Tulsa Girls basketball coach, discussing Proposal 9 and Proposal 10 that would, in effect, uh, alter the structure of private and public schools and how they compete with each other in high school sports in the state of West Virginia. Rick, good talking to you. Hopefully uh, we can get you back on next week, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, and uh, hopefully it it goes further because I do think it merits a lot more discussion.
3: All right. Thank you, Paul, and you uh, have a great show. Appreciate what you do.
1: That's Rick Marone, Tulsa girls basketball coach. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap it up. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 304-399-8255. If you want to text in your comment toll-free, you can call us at 877-420-8255. Let's go to the phones. And Brian is up on The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? I'm good. Very good.
0: Hey, there's some things that Coach Marone missed in talking about that. I was very interested to hear what he had to say. Uh, My son is a a junior at Calvary Baptist Academy, a private school, and we're not a part of the SSAC. So what Coach Marone's talking about doesn't affect us. There are several Christian schools in the area. We have our own league. And, of course, we're independent of the SSAC because we're not a part of it. But what Coach Marone said that really captured my attention was he said access to students. Now, you got to keep in mind that the SSAC and the West Virginia legislature in the last couple of years voted down the Tebow law that would have provided them access to students through the homeschools. You know, the Tebow law gives homeschoolers the ability to play for the school system of, of their community. So, in other words, if there's five or six homeschoolers in the Hurricane area, that with the t law, they could have had access to go to Hurricane High School. In the, in the Glen Hayes area, the same thing. It would have given uh, Tulsa High School access to these kids. But the SSAC, in its infinite wisdom, decided not to get behind it. And so, consequently, uh, you have what you have with Coach Marone talking about it. And until the SSAC gets out of its own way, you, I don't see Coach Marone's proposals being successful because, Paul... The reason that parents in a lot of cases put their kids in private school and the reason we put our son to private school, it wasn't the athletic side. It was the academic and the atmosphere side of things. So that's why a lot of parents choose to do that. And so from from an athletic standpoint, it's probably better for some of these these kids that, that are gifted athletically to go to a public school. But the problem is a parent sees a public school and says, hey, from an atmosphere standpoint, it's probably better for me to send my kids to a private school. But the T-ball law would have kind of leveled the playing field, as, as Coach Marone suggested. But, again, the SSAC and the, and the legislature didn't think it was a good idea. All
1: right, Brian, we're about out of time. I'm going to let that stand right there. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that phone call. Uh, let's get Jeff in quickly before we uh, say goodnight. Jeff, you've got 30 seconds. Go, my man.
3: Yeah, uh, Paul, thanks for letting me on. Uh, I remember Rick uh, when Rick was a double A school won a bunch of the state championships down there, and dropped down to single A. And my daughter went to St. Joe, and essentially, I mean, they t- we took some poundings. And he wasn't complaining then about the situation. So, I think maybe a little side grace there because there's no way that St. Joe could compete in the maybe in girls basketball. But not in any other sport competing AAA. and, uh, and that's, that's just my my feelings and it's probably a little bit way to get back to even now since uh, St Joe uh, has been so successful down there so you know
0: that's that's my comment so uh, we can go from there
1: you timed it out right my man thank you sir appreciate that Jeff and uh, we okay. are going to say good night here in just a moment don't forget if you missed any part of the program you can listen to us. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, we are in tune-in. Also, you can, of course, go to the website, catch previous episodes by going to wrvc.com. Don't forget, we've got the NFL draft coming up tonight. That will follow the statewide sports line, and we'll have that right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. For our producers tonight, Luke Creasy and... One, Mr. Gabriel Sellers. I'm Paul Swan. That's going to do it for this edition of the Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM
3: 930. WRBC Huntington,
0: W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.